Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Jessie Alexander is a rare bird indeed. She can sing a sad song that'll make you smile or write a song that'll cut your soul so deep. I've been lucky enough to write with her and also watch her and her husband, John Randall, grow together through music and having babies. I love this gal. Here's Jessie Alexander. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Alexander, how are you? I'm great. I'm a little bit under the weather. Oh, I hate that. I have a little bit of a cold, so I usually don't sound like this. You still but, sound demure. Well, well thank you. I'm you usually sound. got a little more of a smoky, whiskey, um, sultry vibe, mm-hmm. not nasally. Well, would vibe. you like a cigarette? I know. I, if I could, I would, but I, th- I don't think that would help my cold. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <coughs> so forgive the accidental cough here. No, all good. <clears throat> well, just you were born in Decaturville, Tennessee. That's right outside of Jackson. Jackson. I was actually born in Jackson, born but in we Jackson. lived in Decaturville. It's you know, it's one of those deals. Yes. You just say Jackson because people might know Jackson. Home of and the Tennessee. And if they don't know Jackson, then we'll know Memphis. Yes. Jackson, I believe, is the home of the Tennessee State Patrol. <laughs> I've uh, I've met a couple of those guys. Oh mercy! <laughs> Maybe you have. Oh uh, yes, I've come across them a time or two. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Well, did you were you born into a musical family? No, um, actually, my uh, father though is an artist. Um, these paintings really? in this office are his, and my mom um, wow. was very creative. I can remember her being. Crafty, if you will, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of good at making things. But my grandfather was a carpenter, okay, um, by trade. So <clears throat> they weren't musical, but I definitely had a lot of crafty, artistic type people that had day jobs that were blue collar, right? So you know, everyone kind of worked factories. Where most of our family, my family, the Alexanders, we had um, Porter Cable there and in, in Jackson, and then. Even after uh, my grandmother and grandfather retired, you know, they started their own Alexander Tool Repair, which I worked at. So people are very blue collar in my family, but would have like little side, you know, passions. And to answer your question about the music, the only real memory I have of someone being musical, if you will, would be my grandfather, probably around, I was probably six or seven. I can remember him get them getting a piano, which was a big deal to get an old. They had like oh, an yeah. old antique piano. They someone they probably ha- inherited or something. But I can remember sitting next to him on the bench and him saying, "All right, honey, what do you want me to play?" And I would say, "You know, let me tender." Right. And my there my granddaddy's carpenter belt and the whole you know the works just countries they come would sit with one hand and could. Very easily play one calloused, rough beater. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> now awesome. knowing what I know about music, that's not you know yeah. normal. He probably could have been a great musician if he was a, sure. had applied himself. But um, where I didn't really have music, musical people that played music, I had a very very passionate father about music. So 
Um, my parents were divorced when I was three, and when I would go spend half my time with him, it you know, there's a you know, a guy trying to bond with his little girl, and that bond came with stacks of vinyl records. You know, he was oh, a hippie. That's cool. Um, he was a part of like the whole hippie movement and he had everything from Janis Joplin Pearl record to Will the Circle Be Unbroken or Bill Monroe or That's kind of uh, right up your alley. Stevie Ray Vaughan or Lightning Hopkins or um, Lefty Frizzell. I mean, literally, he was like an encyclopedia of mm. music. And so he taught me at a very, very young age, even though he didn't play music to revere music yeah. and like these were like gods you know so long that's answer cool. to a question but that's kind of my musical yeah background so did you start singing like with those records with your dad and yeah and- actually i didn't know i could sing until a little later um in the beginning it was just like i said a, a real obsession for music you know I, I, now having two six-year-olds and a nine-year-old to think about that my little boys and my six-year-olds, like like by their age, I was already yeah. 100% obsessed with B.B. King. And I'd met Albert King. I'd been on Bill Street. I'd, you know, been to the Grand Ole Opry. Like, I was obsessed with music, whereas, you know, they're, like, watching SpongeBob. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I came from a real rural community, and we didn't have – we had two or three, you know, uh, TV channels so right. oh, yeah. there wasn't a lot to do other than make music so to answer your question I when I was about seven or eight I remember my dad saying okay it's time for you to learn an instrument what do you want to learn and I said electric bass because I was obsessed with a lot of those bass like um, blues records at that time and um, I don't know I just love the bottom end of yeah. the bass and he went to a pawn shop that Christmas and couldn't afford the mm. uh, bass, electric bass and the amp. And so he got an acoustic guitar thinking that that would, you know, pacify right. a seven-year-old. But clearly <laughs> I knew when I opened it up for Christmas, I was like, this is not exactly what I wanted. Um, but that started me playing acoustic and then I got really frustrated with the acoustic because it was like a, not a great acoustic. You yeah. Know? And so oh, that's... the strings about <clears throat> three quarters of an inch off the fretboard. And that exactly. Whole, yeah, that's hard. And my hands were so little. I, I, so I started playing piano, um, that piano I was talking about earlier. And then around age 10, I um, discovered Patsy Cline. And for a lot of little girls, you know, she's like the North Star singers yeah. you know I, that's a common thread and it it's yeah. just because her not only was she like a stylist and like maybe one of the greatest female vocalists of all time she sang with so much soul that mm. if you at all had a soul for music like it was a divine connection yeah. i mean i heard her sing and i literally felt everything she sang hmm. so i started i was an only child and i was very shy so i would take my Patsy Cline records or cassettes and go out into a field and listen to on a Walkman and try to learn how to sing like her. So that's when singing kind of came in, that's into great. my life. Yeah. Are you still kind of shy? Because I have a theory. I mean, I've been able to step out when I was in record promotion and play acoustic guitar with Alabama in front of 17,000 people. And that was a breeze. 
but like a writer's night, when my friends are there and my wife's right there, I just can hardly do it. I've thrown up in a lot of parking lots because of nerves. And, and is that is it easier for you to play and sing than yeah. it is to talk? It's funny. I, I have zero stage fright, never have, never never really experienced that. You know, I've played Leno and Kimmel. And, yeah. I mean, I've played stadiums and, you know, sang Harmony on, on ACM Awards, CMA Awards. Or whatever, right, you know. right. I don't have any problem with that, but I would say, and I'm sure we'll get to it in my time being an artist, Yeah, I definitely am shy in the sense of I don't want to expose myself. I want to expose my singing or my music, but right. the, as soon as that's over, I want to go crawl in a corner. Yeah, you know, and that's what made it hard being an artist because in the age of self, like self promotion and oh, social man. media, I never understood like why would anyone want to know what I ate for breakfast? Like, sure, you know. And when I play a show, um, I enjoy every second of it. I love playing music. I love sharing my gift to a crowd. And them sharing, you know, the love back and just that exchange. Mm-hmm. But the second I put my guitar down, I want to retreat. I, yeah. I, it's it's not that I don't <clears throat> want to meet them. It's just that I feel exposed. And so I would say, in that regard, I am shy and yeah. tend to want to be reclusive. Yeah. Uh, so how? What? I mean, okay. So you're singing with Patsy Klein out in the singing field. Singing with Patsy Klein, yeah. And then you decide. Song. I need to go to Nashville? No. So- songwriting. Um, then, so uh, one Christmas, I get the Patsy Cline songbook um, because I don't know how to read music. By this point, I'm playing by ear. You know, we're pretty elementary level, yeah. but um, I didn't have any lessons or anything. So someone got me a Patsy Cline songbook, and I w- would try to figure it out, and at the very top right corner, it would say, written by Harlan Howard, written by Bob Wills, you know, all these people. Yeah. Um, Hank Cochran. I, and so as the kind of researcher I was and with music, it made me obsessed with who are these people. I thought Patsy Cline wrote these songs. See, that's, that's me growing up. My favorites were Van Halen and ZZ Top, and it would say like all songs written by Van Halen. So I had no idea right. when I moved to Nashville. I came to go to Belmont. I didn't know that you wrote a Blake yeah, Shelton song. I right. thought Blake wrote it or whatever. Exactly. Patsy, yeah. So I got really intrigued by this whole songwriting thing, and um, really started to devour Harlan Howard, Hank Williams Senior as a songwriter, not yeah. just as an artist. And I, instead of kind of Going, you know, even more west to Memphis, I found myself wanting to go a little more east to Nashville, and making those trips to, you know, gosh, I mean, at the time it wasn't the Bluebird. I would, I'd just go to Broken Spoke or go to right. wherever. I mean, the Grand Ole Opry, anywhere I could get in, Third and Lindsley, and I think it was really kind of critical. Me going to college at MTSU, you know. That was if I hadn't gone to MTSU, I probably would still be back in Jackson as a hairstylist or something. Because you don't think you would have gravitated towards Memphis. I, I just think that the way I was raised, it was very much like set to a certain. You know, you get married, you have kids, right. and you work your job. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have anybody in my life that were like, well, you know, your uncle he. Sure. You know, he did it. Like, it wasn't that my parents or grandparents didn't support it. It just was kind of like far fetched. Exactly. My dad always said, I goes, I don't know how to support you in music. Yeah. You go do what you want to do, but yeah. So I just kind of 
I think that if I'd gone to any other school, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, and actually went to MTSU as a social work major because at the time you could only be either in the music business, which means right. a lot of math <laughs> and, uh, you know, business classes. And then this is a girl that can't balance her checkbook, you know, or you could do tech, like MIDI, like, um, engineering right, and engineering, stuff. Yeah. Studio uh, stuff. And so neither of those fit me. And by this point, you know, at MTSU, I mean, I'm singing in bands. I'm, I'm, Everybody's harmony singer. Right. I'm, you know, I'm singing harmony in a blues band, a twelve-piece horn background singer R&B Dang. band. I'm singing in country bands. I'm because I know all these songs. Um, by that age, I was, you know, very versed in all kinds of music. So, I think that going to MTSU and there being a recording industry mm-hmm. department yeah. really kind of bridged the gap for me, and people would be like what are you doing here still at school? You know, if you're not going to do social work and you're not going to do, you know, it just basically just, I came to a dead end four years in and, uh, (laughs) and a professor said, you need to just move to Nashville. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'll never forget that day. Okay. He called me after class or told me to come see him after class, which I thought he was about to expel me. (laughs) And, uh, he was like, you need to quit. It was insane. And I was like, really? And he was like, yes. He's like, I've never seen a student more held back from right. what they're supposed to do. Yep. And boy, was he right. You know, I moved here maybe a month later and got my first backup singing gig within da- literally days. Dang. Yeah. So did somebody at Columbia see you and think record deal or were you writing and they heard songs or how I did got that- signed at Warner Chapel um, and Lesson? I was... Yes, I was there for um, my first five years of my first publishing deal. And basically the record deal came because I would sing these demos and people were like, well, who is the singing? Right. Like, it's me. And at the time, you know, there were still females on the chart. You know, Patty was still oh, yeah. doing okay. Trisha was Trisha. doing okay. Um, Faith Hill was doing great. Breathe. Mm. Um, Dixie Chicks were doing great. So Reba. Reba, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, I was so young. I mean, I'm 21. I don't really know. I'm like, I just want a paycheck. Yeah. I just want to quit the car auction and Subway and all the jobs I had and mm-hmm. all my gigs. And so the thought of having a publishing deal and then a record deal, I was like, mm, you know, and I got signed by Tony Brown, who's a legendary producer and made a lot of records that I loved. Yeah. The problem at the time was, as an artist, I didn't fit... Nashville commercial radio, and I didn't fit what now is called Americana. There wasn't Americana, right. really. There was like Lucinda Williams and Cheryl Crow, <clears throat> but there was there was no middle ground. And Cheryl was still more on the rock totally. side than yeah. So I and made Lucinda a record, would, and it <clears throat> you know it was definitely a learning experience. Um, but looking now at my journey as a songwriter, I definitely you know, have felt at times that that was a little bit of like a detour. Yeah. Um, maybe it took a little longer. If I had started writing the way I write now at that young of an age, I, you know, feel like but I would have been further along, but I know good it's experience. all part of the journey. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, taking promo tours and mm. talking to a million radio guys about I was horrible at it. Yeah. It's hard to do. 
It's oh. hard to do. Amy always says, because it, I mean, it's really hard for me, and I know still a lot of those guys, and Amy goes, you can talk to anybody about anything. I said, that's because I just learned how. That's not natural. No. You know, I mean, I love you, Mr. Radio person, but I don't really know your kids or your wife, and don't, yeah. sorry, I don't really care. Yeah, I, I struggled <laughs> with it. I really did, and if you'll remember, uh, I know you will, the the year that, my single was released actually the same week my song was released. So is a little song called Redneck Woman. And, you know, people on other, yeah. in other, you know, record labels felt the earthquake oh, man. of Redneck Woman. I mean, it, in this town, we, we had been through a long stretch of I'm blessed and life is beautiful and everything's great. And the Redneck movement slash bro country had not happened yet. And that song together with Toby Keith and like Hicktown, Jason Aldean and all those, all that music, it really was a movement. And so people like me that were like little singer songwriter types, you just couldn't, I mean, there's just hard to compete, hard to compete. And you know, I just wasn't, I really wasn't made for the artist's life, and now I know why, because I do what I love every day. Yeah. And that wasn't what I loved, you know, singing the same song every day, trying to sell myself. Like, that's just not who I am and what my, you know, what my gifts yeah. are. So it was a little bit of a three, almost five-year little jaunt. But um, It was fun, though, wasn't it, some parts There of were it? parts of it that was yeah. really fun. You know, I learned a lot about writing songs for an artist yeah. because now I know what an artist needs to open a show, to break, break their heart in the middle of the show, to pick them back up on their feet, you know. And I also have compassion for artists now. You know, I used to get frustrated, like, how could – you know, this song's perfect for, you know, Luke Bryan. How could he not record it? But I've been there. I've been in the studio where you like, man, we played it and it just didn't do it. Or, or this song, I feel this song more or whatever. So I, I think I have an advantage having been an artist. And I think as a singer, um, you You know, know, writing songs for real, like, um, singers, I feel like I have that. And you know how to focus, like what audience of Luke's is missing. Yeah. Well, the soccer moms or whatever. Well, let's write a Luke Bryan soccer mom song yes. and then be able to focus on that and yes. just be smart and watch what's going on. So, so you've had uh, four number ones, is that right? Yes. And a bunch of almost number ones. Yeah. And um, you have the current Blake Shelton single. Yes, you, turning me on. Is it awesome? It's awesome. I love it. Do you ever get tired of hearing your songs on the radio? Never. And it's literally like the first time every time. Yeah. And Did you pull re- over and cry the first time you heard it? You heard any, your first any, single? Um, or was it you that you heard the first time on the radio? Actually, I, my first cut, I want to say, was um, Sonia Isaacs, who's a good, mm. and wound up being a great friend of mine. Um, I want to say that was my first single, and it died you know, slow, miserable death it was all of my singles at that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely surreal. And yeah. I still, like right now I have a, a, a single out with a new artist, Travis Denning, called David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. That's another <laughs> neat story. But he, getting to experience his first single yeah. with him is almost <clears throat> as thrilling. Yeah. 
Because you know exactly what he's going through. Exactly. And yeah. then, like, Blake, you know, this will be my um, sec- or third single with Blake. And this is one we wrote together. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's new. So they all kind of have, like, a different yeah. meaning. And they all are special. Now, like, uh, my favorite is I Drive Your Truck. I just think that just awesome song, but just such a great story. I mean, I heard Connie on, like, NPR or something talking about that, and I had to pull over and, and cry because it was just like, oh, my gosh. I would imagine that. I You still get awesome reaction to that, mm-hmm. I would assume, because there's so many veterans and cops and people that have brothers. Totally. That... Man, oh yeah. yeah, that song. Yeah, it's it's so special. It's it's beyond even the song now. You know, it's yeah. it's gone on to have so much of a life with the Gold Star families and oh yeah, um, like you said. You know, I mean, not not just people that drove trucks or brothers. I mean, it's just. I mean, I have moms come to me and say, "I drive my son's truck." You mm-hmm. know, died last year. I drive. You know, my husband's truck, you know, or I drive my husband, my husband's Prius, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it really didn't have a lot to do with the truck. It's really just the, I don't feel like there's, there had been a song about grief necessarily mm-hmm. to that level. Um, that, you know, you don't know what to do with grief. You know, it's, it's a long journey and it, it's something that, you know, you just kind of have to battle till. Yeah till you don't anymore which may never come so i feel like it was a it was a neat and a a thrill to try to dig into that emotion of what do you do though with that emotion well and like you say with all this not to put it down but the bro country kind of stuff to have a song that really grabs you by the heart and doesn't let go it's pretty awesome yeah i love writing them i just you know i during the, there's been eras of writing, which you know, I know you, you know, like when you're in the room and everybody wants up tempo, positive, and yeah. Lord knows I write. <laughs> I mean, I, I write my, I wrote one yesterday. I'll, I'll probably write two more this week. I, we need those too. Yep. But I do feel like, for me as a writer, that's a tool that I have in my belt that I get to use and really enjoy using, and it's. Um, always like kind of reaps some kind of reward for me, even if it's not a single. It's a nice to me also marking place of your own maturity. Yeah. You know, of, of growing up and yeah, getting exactly. a little older and hopefully yeah. wiser. And so totally. that's awesome. So the climb is just 15 weeks. Number one, right? Yeah. I don't know how many awards in a movie, MTV best song yeah. from a movie. You guys, Kind of got hosed out of a Grammy. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I remember kinda that. Kind of a lot. What did they say? It wasn't specifically written for a yeah, movie. It's so just such a like gray area. Yeah, you know because there, me and John Mabe had written a song called "It's the Climb." It was a male song. It was um, third person or first person. It was the opposite, um, and it was. Definitely a very mature. It was almost like a spiritual song that yeah. um, the director fell in love with and said, "If you will rewrite this song," and he used those words, "I will love to rewrite my script and put the song, make it a centerpiece to the song, to the movie." And we did the work. You know, we 
hunkered down and wrote it for a 15 year old basically and for this movie. So, you know, I, I kind of get it both ways. Like I understand, um, having just written a song for angry birds with Blake Shelton and knowing like it was very specific, like here's the scene we need. The pigs and the birds are fighting. We need a song. You know, we wrote a song called friends, but I guess what makes it tricky is who know how would they ever know that I didn't have that song in a cat in a sure. catalog that yeah. I just dusted off and turned in. It just needs to be more clear, and that's kind of what my thing was. Is you know it, I understand, but you how are you going to monitor yeah. every single song in a category? Why can't it just be best song in a movie? Yeah, even if it's an old Janis Joplin yeah, song, exactly. It's still the best song. If yeah. it fit fit that scene and yeah. it. Pulled, you know, did the job it should do as a song, then it, you know, so that was kind of my issue. Um, but you just, you know, move on. Yeah, when we had uh, uh, Can't Take the Honky Tonk Out of the Girl, Brooks and Dunn won a Grammy for Best Country Performance. And I said to Doug Howard, I go, I know I don't get a Grammy, but can I get a piece of paper or something? something? Yeah. He said, nope. Ugh. I go, but... They couldn't have performed that song had we not written it. So, I mean, it's kind of chicken. No, I'm sorry. I know. He goes, I, I, I know what you're saying, but can't do it. <laughs> I know. Darn oh, it. Well. So, jumping way ahead. Yeah. You, in 2014, recorded Down Home. Yes. And yes. Dirks Bentley, John Randall, Charlie Worsham, Cheryl Crow, Chris and Morgan Stapleton, Will Hogue, and the Brothers Osborne. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't find get any anybody yeah. around? Was that supposed to just, I mean, was it supposed to be all duets or did it just kind of, are those the people you wrote some of those songs no. with? No. Basically, this happened because I have started playing a lot of shows that, you know, the show Nashville really put a spotlight on songwriters oh, yeah. and the Bluebird. And people like myself started getting gig offers where, hey, we want to, you know, have a bluebird experience for our clients. And so they hire, you know, three writers. And being a female, it was kind of an advantage. They usually want a female in the round. And sadly, there's not a ton of us. So, um, you know, us girls would get in there and and play the gigs. And it wound up being lucrative and is a very, you know, with royalties down, for me, singing on records and playing these gigs have really helped kind That's of great. make the difference. Yeah. But uh, I can't tell you how many times someone would come up to me and say, I want your version of Mine Would Be You. Sure. I want to hear you. I want to listen to your version of The Climb. Yeah. And it, it, it bugged me for years because I was like, I don't want to make a record. I don't want right. to be an artist. I don't want to do any of that. But finally, um, Cheryl Crow, actually, and Gary Pachosa talked me into... They were like, you know what? You don't have to do any of that. All all you have to do is sit with your guitar and give them what they just heard. You don't yeah. have to have a band. You can, you know, if someone just sees you play in the round with you and your yourself and your guitar, then record that. Yeah. And so when I did that, it was great, but I was like, I feel like there's a little something missing though on all these songs. And it just wound up being a fun thing of you know, all those people that you, you know, listed are, are friends of mine, yeah. like people that would be at the house anyway. Right. Um, literally Dirks was there cause our daughters were playing one night. I was like, Hey, will you come sing on mine would be you, you know, or 
Charlie Worsham, I think we were writing that day, and I was like, will you just sing Drink On It? Or, um, and you share. have a home studio. Yeah, we had a, yeah. at the time we had a home studio, and it really, you know, it was just a, a little labor of love, but it, it, it's been a, it was really neat to make, and I, I hope to make another one in the next year or so. So I'm, I'm working on, on that right now. That's awesome. And it is funny, like, I remember seeing, remember the Hitman, mm-hmm. Jeff and Bob and Craig and those guys? I remember going to see them at the Bluebird one night, and this lady tapped Craig on the shoulder. She was sitting behind, and she goes, why don't you sing some songs that you wrote? Because she just didn't know. So when they do hear yeah. your version, they go, oh. and I've had people go, man, every writer's version I like more than the the single. Totally. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's different. I mean, obviously, I you're a great singer. I can't sing like Ronnie Dunn, but I can burp yeah. it out yeah, enough. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's interesting. It, it It is. It's really neat. And I just think it's always, I love to go to the Bluebird. I mean, I love to watch songwriters, yeah. you know, play their songs. And there's nothing like hearing the songwriter well, sing their song. Here, what were you thinking when you wrote that song? You know, oh, maybe they yeah. were thinking, I was just hung over and I just wanted to go have a sandwich. And so we farted our way through yeah. this song. And then sometimes it's, I drive a truck. truck. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, so. Yeah. It's crazy. So you and your hubs, little Johnny Randall. You guys started a band. Is eighteen South? Yeah, eighteen South. Are you still playing and well, playing and playing? We we don't play as much as we'd like. Our piano player Jimmy Wallace had to get hired by Joe Walsh and go on the road. Whatever. Um, and so there's that little problem. And then just, I mean, now with three kids and yeah. full time two jobs that tra- we travel now quite a bit and. As much as we want to do it, it's just it's been hard. But yeah. we we do an annual Christmas show around around Christmas, and that's a blast. And um, it truly is like the most fun you can have. Oh amazing. yeah! Did you, you just made one record? We did. We just did like an EP. Yeah, I love um, that. Record. So much fun! I just love making music with people, like in different forms. You know, anybody that knows me has been on the road with me. I'm the girl that's wrangling people to make a jam happen. Yeah. Or here. I mean, I'll be like, I'll drag my co-writer who I'm right with. Like, hey, you know, Ben Hayslip's next door. Let's go in there. I'm going to make him play Lived It. Have you heard this song yet? You know, or, mm-hmm. you know, Marv's over there. Or, you know, I will instigate music being made yeah. pretty much at any chance I can get. So I'm really in my, like, happiest sweet spot when that's happening. It doesn't have to be about me. It's yeah. just... People enjoying themselves making making music. Absolutely. So I feel like that uh, I'm thriving if that's happening in my life. So you mentioned your youngins. I can't believe they're I know. six, six, and nine. That's crazy. Has marriage and kids affected your writing? Absolutely. Um, and I, it took me, you know, a couple of years to figure out how. I knew yeah. it did affect. I was like, what has happened? This is interesting. <laughs> um, I would say as a songwriter, the very first thing I noticed was song ideas. Yeah. We're just gone. You know, I used to have time to sit around playing my guitar and like, you know, let whatever comes out, come out. Oh, there's a hook, you know. That does not happen anymore. Um, The other way I got song ideas was to sit and talk to girlfriends about their love life or go have, you know, wine night and get a song idea. 
And then lastly, um, going to, you know, movies, reading books, you know, all the ways that songwriters get ideas. I just don't do those. I'm literally, I get off work and I go straight to homework, making lunches, you know, washing clothes, getting soccer cleats. I mean, it's, it's just a literally like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. So uh, that would be maybe the negative, but then the positive is there's so much to write for now, like so much legacy and like, I want them to be proud. And, you know, when I'm thinking about these songs, like they're going to own one day and, um, you know, obviously just monetarily, you know, you've got three mouths to feed and it definitely makes you go, I gotta, I've got to make today count. And so I think I used to have a little more idle kind of writing, Mm -hmm. not focused writing. And now with the help of my publishers, um, every day counts. I mean, there's never a day that I'm questioning why am I here. Do you ever censor yourself as like lyrically knowing that you've got little ears at home? No. No? Not at all. I always did that. No. Like if somebody wanted to cuss or write about having sex in a strawberry field, I'd go, oh, I can't do that. If anything, I'm more provocative. Really? Yeah, I think I think that I just that's worked for me and mm-hmm. a lot of songs, you know, make up sex and pricks and drink on it and you know, I've written so many songs that kind of even this new Blake Shelton, there's lines that push the edge, but I know that that might be a little bit of an, you know, uh, something that I have like a uh, like I said another little tool in my belt that I that I use, but I feel like my kids, you know, I mean, last two nights ago, we were teaching Ryman, um, our son Ryman, how to play the blues in E, and we were showing him literal videos of Lightning Hopkins, and then JR showing him, and this is how, you know, Bill Monroe kind of played the blues mm-hmm. and bluegrass. So they're obviously going to be raised with a lot of absolutely different influences, and we don't censor too much yeah. when it comes to the music. Sure. Yeah, but they're not watching HBO or Showtime or, not, you know, Skinamax at night. <laughs> well, yeah, I was never – I always had such a hard time being a chameleon. Like, all I've ever written, like, with the FGL guys are ballads. Really? Never. And, you know, they wanted to write a song about trucks or something, and I went, wow. screw that. Let's, let's do – let's write – and yeah. Of course, they've never cut one of those. I had a cut on their last album, but it wasn't with them. But oh, wow. I just like I have a hard time. I have a hard time writing for the market because it used to be you kind of had to write like two years down the road, and kind of oh, right. you kind of had to try to dictate what was coming. Mm-hmm. And now it's so fast. The you trains kinda, are moving, and you got yeah, jump you're on just kind of reacting. Yes, to something. Yes, and I was never fast enough to be able to do that but yeah yeah, you obviously are doing that but you also seems to me that you just kind of write what you write and it's a good i I chase things that i'm passionate about yeah like i heard travis denning on a local channel something it's like when not even normal national channels it's like some other like local cable and i heard him and i was like who is Travis Denning? I mean, I called my publishers. Who is this guy? He didn't have a publishing deal, record deal yet. I was obsessed. Um, I literally, like, I would have written with him over any top-tier songwriter because yeah. something about him really moved me. Right now, I'm 
really excited about a guy named Carlton Anderson that I've been writing with and, you know, hopefully we'll get on that record. He's traditional country, you know, I uh, really like an, a guy named Riley Green that's coming out. Um, I will chase things I really love. That's so awesome. I, it's not that I don't chase things or yeah. play strategically. I just really focus on things I think I can win. I'm not out trying to write for a record that, A, I don't really get, and I know they probably won't get me. So I really try to play to win. And then if I'm not writing strategically, like I said, for, you know, some, an artist, those artists that I mentioned, then I kind of hope, hope to feel like I'm kind of developing. Then I'm just trying to write the best song. I'm like, I used to chase, you know, trying to write a Luke Bryan song or, um, Jason Aldean song, but that never worked for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's writers that are really good at it. Absolutely. And I'm just not, I've learned that I have to write with people that I'm inspired by and that will produce that fruit, yeah. you know? So like I have a song on the new Jason Aldean record. I promise you me and Dave, David Lee Murphy weren't thinking of Jason. When we were writing. Right. I was just musing off the amazing David Lee Murphy and we were, you know, with uh, this wonderful writer, Chris Stevens, and we were just writing a song we liked, you know? So yeah. I tend to just try to write the best song that day, and it doesn't always have to be gut-wrenchers or sure, tear-jerkers. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing bro songs. I'm writing, yeah. you know, uh, love songs, spiritual songs, jazz songs. I mean, anything. Yeah, And that kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation with the encyclopedia of song, like Absolutely. my well is very vast. So someone comes in here and says, you know, I'm really loving like, you know, six, eight waltz. I'm like, well, let me pull out that. Go. I know that, that bag of tricks, you know, but also with a good publisher, you, if you like, you may have a song on the next staple singer record, you know, or whatever. Exactly. I mean, you just, yeah. you just never know. Do you think, I, I love hearing you talk about young writers. Cause I always, now that so many of these old buildings are being torn down and condos are going up or parking lots. I mean, I was telling Amy, we went past something and I said, you remember the house that used to be there? I said, I sat in a room that Roger Miller wrote in and I bawled because I was so overwhelmed. And I said, now, I, I don't know if half these kids, if that means anything or if country music started with Garth and Blake or... Does anybody go back and research anymore? And it sounds like you're finding kids that love that kind that of do. stuff. Yeah, but it is really very disheartening. Yeah. I mean, you just, and me and Blake actually were talking about that this this weekend. It's like so many artists, they don't even know, like some of them don't even really know Tim McGraw's catalog. You know, they right. might know Jason Aldean's catalog, but mm-hmm. it really is... Um, disheartening especially for a format that's always been rooted in like tradition and legacy um and i felt like when i moved to town i was nowhere near as good as everybody so i knew i had to outwork everybody Mm -hmm. and i had to at least out try to know like i knew i've learned early on that one of the things that helped me was just knowing knowing yeah. who I was dealing with. And when I sat down with a writer, if I got lucky enough to get in the room with someone like Don Schlitz, I knew his catalog. I knew yeah. everything he'd written. Um, Isn't that funny? How, you know, because you did your homework. I did my homework. Yeah, and I, you know, felt honored and just kind of faked my way up, you know, to get to write with someone like that. But <laughs> uh, it it 
that's the difference. I yeah. feel like, um, you know, there's definitely still artists, new artists that are amazing, but that, that definitely is a change. Yeah. I, my last publishing deal, I was, when I left there, I was 52. I think that year I, they put me with four girls that were under 18 years old and three of them wanted to write a song called butt dial. I mean, like three different girls came in and I just, I finally said, it's been a long time since I was a 17 year old girl. How about yeah. we don't do so this anymore? Do yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there was, I mean, there was no reason, but I mean, they were good singers, but they obviously, you know, and you get the ones that don't bring a guitar, don't even turn their laptop on. And they're an artist, but they don't even want to sing the work tape. Right. And it's like, I don't really know. It's like, uh, how, you don't, you obviously don't love this music. Because yes. I, I think you're a perfect example. If you never got paid another nickel the rest of your life, you'd still be writing and playing and writing and playing because oh, yeah. it's in your soul. Absolutely. I'll be haunted till the day I die with song ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a, something that found me, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're glad it did. Yeah. But um, well, I know you're not feeling well. Can you do my 10 questions real quick? I would love to. Oh, boy. This is going to be This is just... I, I, is it just shotgun answers? Yep, off the top of your head. Okay. Chewing my fingernails thinking about what you're about to ask me. Okay, go. It's nothing personal. Okay. Well, I mean, it's all personal, but it's nothing <laughs> personal. Not boxers or briefs? No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> What's your favorite book? Beach music, Pat Conroy. Nice. What's your favorite food? Popcorn. With like no. Parmesan? Anything? Stop. Never mind. White beans and cornbread. Ah, good, good. What's your favorite quote? I really love that. I know I'm going to get it wrong, but that whole thing of not all that. Wander wanderer or lost. lost. Mm -hmm. That really resonates. I've heard I that. I was a wanderer. Yeah. I wandered a lot for a long time, kind of trying to figure it out. And, you know, I wasn't lost. No, you're just taking it in. Yeah, just taking the long way. What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? <sighs> concert. I was probably, you know, Memphis in May. We did this, they did this thing down by the river. It's probably like ZZ Top or the yeah. Fabulous Thunderbirds or somebody like that. I was, like I said earlier, raised around people playing music. So. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. What, uh, whether it's a hit, a miss, a single, a song, what's the favorite song that you've written? It's called Damn Country Music. It was Tim McGraw's last album title. Mm -hmm. He cut it as well. Um, and it is pretty much a biographical story about moving to Nashville and the rise and fall and um, just trials and tribulations of being in Nashville. I feel like, you know, probably every songwriter can relate to that song yeah. in some way. I wrote it with uh, one of my best friends, Josh Thompson and Carrie Barlow. And it's, it's definitely my favorite song I've written. What uh, song do you wish you would have written? I mean, this can be Star Spangled Banner or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. <laughs> wow, that is so. I know it's hard. Unbelievably hard. Yeah. Wow. Because there's probably a couple, huh? Uh, there's like 
two million yeah. spinning around in my head. <laughs> I'm going to go with my the very first one that came to my mind. It is um, a wonderful Bobby Braddock song. I believe he wrote it with Curly Putnam, maybe. Um, but it's He Stopped Loving Her Today. Mm. And then right next to it would be uh, an amazing Verlin, um, Vern Godston song called Chiseled in Stone. Oh, yeah. So those two. Sorry, I can't no, just pick one. I know it. I know it. Um, you you said, like, Cheryl Crow and all these people are, are friends. So who, is there anyone in your, that you think you could actually get to? Like, not Stevie Ray Vaughan, because he's right, gone. Right, right, right. But who would you still like to write with? Oh, that's so sad because it would have been Tom Petty like a yeah. year ago. He yeah. was he was always my north star um, to write with. That's a really Dolly Parton. Mm. That'd be so cool. That'd be a interesting day. We'd have a blast. Yeah. And not you, only to hear her stories, but just to see her process of songwriting. She's such a master. Yeah. True. I mean, for me, she's one of the greatest living songwriters. I would just be really intrigued. With Do you her. think you'd get anything done, or would you just we'd be probably sitting talk her, the whole yeah, time? I, I yeah. would think that would be. But a hard and we'd one. maybe drink, and then we'd hopefully write a song. Maybe the second time you'd write. Yeah, a song. second time. Yeah, yeah. We we would have a blast though. What's your favorite? Being a writer, a producer, musician. Band, I mean, if you had to choose just like one of those, what would you? Songwriter. Yeah. 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 Second would probably be backup singer. I really enjoy singing harmony, but um, man, to get to do what I do every day. Yeah. And and just you have to realize in most in Nashville, you know, we're collaborating with people. So it's not just my journey. I mean, these are this journey I'm riding with some of my best friends. Yeah. So it's like a family and. I get to be with my family every day. It's just such a... Do you write on your own? I do. And actually, I've, I've been on the record that I'm trying to make. There's quite a bit of songs that are solo rights. I just don't get to do much of it, yeah. you know? And typically, if I get something going, I ended up sharing it with yep. someone. So, But, you know, I do love to write alone. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Do you really think you'd be married back in Jackson? Uh, I would be hair? A, a hairdresser. No, um... I think now, because I've thought about that a lot, I think that when I was going into social work, um, you know, I didn't really know exactly what that meant. All mm-hmm. that really meant to me that I wanted to, in some way, help people. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that I would probably be some kind of therapist. Really? I do. I think I would be in some kind of... I really like to hear people talk about... Yeah themselves and their problems. I'm, I'm that friend that people just like tell me everything. I have zero judgment. I have an ability to kind of hear people without judging yeah. them. And I get really curious about why they are going through things. Right. And I love to help them dissect why they're going through it. So I think that that's really what I was probably aiming at when I was shooting through the social work, psychology that intrigues me. I really like the human well, experience. And as a writer, you kind of have to get naked with people every day anyways, yeah. emotionally, and, and listen and take it all. And you have to be able to talk as well as listen go, okay, this might be stupid, but just hear me out. You know? Yeah, I would love it. I think it would be a really cool job for me. Well, what's next? 
Next. Um, well, hopefully we're going to have success with Blake Shelton. Yes. Um, we have, like I said, Travis Denning. I'm super proud of him. David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. It's number 36 on the chart. Hopefully it's just going to awesome. keep climbing. Um, got a lot of... Oh, one really, really exciting thing is um, I have a new song on the Cole Swindell record. Oh, cool. That's I'm very proud of. It's called Dad's Old Number, and it's a um, very personal song. It's a tearjerker, so have Kleenex when you listen to that one. Nice. Um, next is really just... More? Just keep doing it. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm in the phase in my career where... You know, you just keep your head down and you just write and and just enjoy it. You write every day? Mm-hmm. The days that I'm off, I usually do it. Like t- today is a good example, things like this. Or I've gotten to where I sing on a lot of records now. I've been fortunate cool. to get hired on, I just sing on uh, Thomas Rhett's record or, um, you know, obviously Blake's records. And um, I'm on the new Lee Bryce single. Oh, cool. So, you know, just... Different things like yeah. that, and I really enjoy it. Um, and then I'll be sending my daughter to middle school. So that's what's next for me. Man. It's very sad. But travel, um, make a record. It's fun. Try to stay out of trouble, basically. Is that easier with kids now, to staying mm. out of trouble? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. It's just a different kind of trouble. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, I love you. Thank you so you. much for doing this. I'm so happy that you're doing this. I hope you get feeling better. No, me too. Sorry, but I didn't call for anything. No, you did great. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesse. Thank you.